I love movies. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Gosh, I love movies. And here we go. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the Grindhouse Podcast. And today, Matt, this is our this is a special episode. We have made it to 50 Grindhouse Podcast episodes. My God. Wow. That, why did we do that many episodes? Because the people demanded it. They check in every week. They follow us, even when I'm late to posting because of work. And, and frankly, Matt, the fact that we made it this far uh, is fitting because not only is it our 50th episode, but it's our special Christmas episode. Oh, wow. It's just, it's the gifts of, of Christmas and and. Grindhouse, I, I don't know where I'm going with this. Uh, it's the gift that keeps on giving, I think is I get, what you're trying to say. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> keeps on giving week after and week. And what's funny is that I think, I don't know if we've mentioned this on the show before, maybe we have, but sort of the whole origin of our podcast was this time last year when I was home in Texas and you, me, and Chris from the, the Gerbils Gerbils was sitting around a table just talking and I was thinking about doing a new podcast and, and I just remember thinking like this is this is it. Like you and I just riffing and having good conversations. I, I love the fact that you're an artist and that you bring that perspective. And, and then, you know, shortly thereafter, here we are starting episode one, talking about Mandy. That's right. Yeah. You asked me if I wanted to do a podcast and you said, uh, we could just talk about how much we like Mandy and, and as a little pilot kind of thing and see how that goes. And, uh, and that was pretty fun, so we just kept doing it. And, and yeah, good for you, too, uh, kind of putting the fire under my ass every week to make sure we get one out every <laughs> week because that's – I mean, I have we missed a week? I think we've missed like one or two weeks, but – No, I mean, maybe we missed – we might have missed one. E- even when I'm out of town, you usually do like a solo one or – we've always found some way of doing it. Occasionally, it's a bit late, but yeah, I mean – 50 episodes it's been it's been nearly a year worth of weekly releases so yeah you know and, and look we it's it's twofold always one it's just damn fun to talk with you every week we live in different states and it's real easy to lose touch with people but also it's fun because we know that so many of you listeners like check in every week and follow us and you comment on us and maybe you tell us what we're doing wrong maybe you tell us what we're what we're doing right but you're interactive with us it's it's, it's part of a community and that's that's really ultimately the goal for us. Yeah, that's the best part, really. And it's a small community, which is fine. But uh, it's it's a community that keeps in touch, and we, we hear back from people week after week and about what they think. Uh, what some some of it's in the form of um, the official forums, you know, the the Instagram right, comments, yeah. the email, and uh, some of it is just text messages that I get while I'm working, complaining about stupid stuff. <laughs> we said, <laughs> but they are all appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we continue that. If we're not if we're not angering someone out there in film Twitter world, then I don't think we're doing our jobs properly. That's right. That's what this is. And it's a show about opinions and about views, and 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 it's that's right. Fun to hear all the disagreeing opinions too. Even though ours are usually a little closer to the best opinion, we're we're, we're right most of the time. I think we're mostly right. Mostly yeah, right. I took a, yeah, I took a I took I I sort of keep a running log of how many times we're right versus wrong and. Our the polls are our, our our approval rating is very high. Let's put it that way. We could do a pretty big corrections episode, though. I I have I I mean every week there's stuff. I think at one point I said that Clint Howard was in Silent Night Deadly Night two, and I think it was part five. I was thinking of, and we just kind of leave those things in because they're not that important. But they're no. if if you notice them, good for you. You're but 
Yeah, you know, much like a continuity error in a film, if you notice it, then then maybe our episode's not as interesting as we think it is. Yeah, I think I called Carl Weathers. No, I I was. Oh no, I said that. You called Carl's Weathers Carl's Jr. once. No, I never that. did that. No, but I, uh, I'm pretty we, sure that happened. We were talking about Enter the Dragon, and I said that. Uh, oh, he's not in that movie. I, well, I said Action Jackson is in it, and I, I think I meant uh, Black Belt Jones. But uh, yeah. I said Action Jackson, which was Carl Weathers. And, Carl, the, uh, Carl Weathers Joe, is in Joe Action Kelly. Jackson, and he's in um, The Mandalorian. Hmm. Still haven't seen it. Dude, you got to watch it. I don't, well, don't want to get another streaming service. There's too many. Dude, you can get like a three-month uh, free trial period. But also, it's awesome. Like, I, honestly, I'm, I think I'd be fine with Shudder and Disney+. Plus. Yeah, Shudder's good. Shudder's good. I watched a movie on Shudder this week because you recommended it, actually. I did. I did. So before we get into that, Matt, not only is it our 50th anniversary or our 50th episode, I guess. Eh, it's an anniversary. But um, happy holidays to you. Ha- blessed, blessed Yule yes. on this winter solstice. Happy, happy solstice. Uh, blessed Yule. What it, blessed usually implies a, a deity. Who's doing, no, it doesn't. Who's doing the blessing here? Who's the... We are, Matt, do you not remember the episode where I basically said that I am a god on the air for ever to be held on record in the internet? So my Yule time has your blessing. What is, it has my blessing. What is, what is you. Yule even? I've though? anointed you. I, I don't actually understand All that word. I thought, uh, I thought Yule was like a, a, type, a type of fireplace. No, Yule is a pa- pagan holiday. So Yule is the name for the winter solstice. So a lot of what Westerners celebrate as Christmas tradition it's an amalgam of several traditions, part of it being sort of Germanic, pagan, Yule, um, some of it being, you know, there's a variety. There's a, Oftentimes with these sort of religions that we identify as being part of, sort of Christian lore, many of the traditions were adopted from their pagan counterpoints, including dates. Yeah, that's right. Uh, this uh, was orig- originally Apollo's birthday, I want to say. Um, and then after... Uh, I think after after the Roman Catholics had kind of conquered all the pagan regions, it was it was changed to uh, have their god have have this significant day as his birthday, right? Which which is well, fine. as you know, it will yeah. I mean, as you it, know, it, that history yeah history is written by the winners of wars, and um, as such, all it takes is for you know one new emperor to be like, this is my religion du jour. And then it becomes sort of a, a forced upon everyone else. Well, it's okay. Uh, we, sure, it could be Jesus's birthday. Uh, but if we're going to do that, have you know his birthday beyond Christmas? You got to take it seriously. Like you can't. You know, I'm sure that <coughs> some of our listeners are uh, have birthdays close to Christmas, or they know someone that's a Christmas baby. You got to get them two presents. And um, in fact, uh. The uh, Reverend Billy Mad Brown wanted us to to know that he uh, he he first of all he he thanks us for his input the input we gave him on his uh, his sermon about Mortal Kombat he said it went over really well and oh, yeah. uh, they've actually got a little Sega Genesis club started at the church but he wanted us to yeah he wants to remind us that this holiday season it's not just Christmas it's also Jesus's birthday so you got to get him two presents and he recommends getting him the same thing he gets Jesus every year that's praise and worship oh well I was gonna do like frankincense and myrrh but I guess. That might be a cheaper option, yeah. maybe. <laughs> yeah. But now, Matt, we have to be careful, though. We have to be careful because I don't know if you know this, but there is actually a war on Christmas going on. 
I've heard some things. We've talked about this before, in fact. Uh, and I think it's super exciting. I I like that we've added a war side to Christmas. It's like an it's like part action movie now. I mean, there's so many different aspects of this holiday that could be explored. Uh, like you and I were discussing uh, off off air, it's it's a little scary at times, even. But um, but but I I don't consider it like an action movie very often. But then I hear there's a war on Christmas, and I start thinking of tanks and desert camouflage. And, uh, oh, those those uh, awesome. Um, white outfits that they that the you know the snow uh like the the special troops wear in the snow the, are you talking about the ku klux klan no of course not no no you know like uh <laughs> stormtroopers not stormtroopers like in star wars uh i could imagine like a russian sniper in the snow and he's all dressed in white because of Look, the war on christmas or something we have a correspondent in the field of the war on Christmas, who's going to report in on how it's going so that you and I and you listeners at home can keep up to date with how the war on Christmas is going from the safety of our own homes. Jesus, who knew that all this was going down out in the war on Christmas. I am I am flabbergasted. I'm not surprised. I told you it would go this way. I warned them and I warned them, you know. This is not a fight you're going to want to pick, man. These people are serious. This is Christmas and this is war and if you poke the 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 reindeer, reindeer. it will kick you're gonna back. Get the antlers. You're going to get the antlers. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, so uh, you know, it's like like every Everybody, you know, has learned learns that lesson as a kid. If you, you know, have that candy cane in your mouth long enough, man, it becomes a sharpened spear that will poke the roof of your mouth. Well, and that's Matt, what this war has brought us. Christmas is now a pointy candy cane, needles sharp spear aimed at the eyeball of every progressive or something <laughs> gooey residue as you would as you pull it out of your eye. Matt, you know the last person to to question. The war on Christmas. You know who that was, right? Who? Uh, grandma. Your grand. We all your know grandma, what happened to her. Your abuela, Lita, abuelita. No, no, not my abuela. Grandma. And you all know what happened to her. She made tamales. We've talked about this before. No, she didn't make tamales. I'm not going to no. give you this joke, by the way. I know where I'm you're going. Gi- I'm taking you're it. You're not allowed to do listen, that. Listen, listen. All I'm saying is, Grandma didn't run over herself. Mm. Go ahead. Hashtag. Grandma did not run over herself. <laughs> All right, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> so that, that, that All right, so that, we were talking earlier about the how there are some scary aspects. We talked about the are. action film aspects of uh, of Christmas. Um, oh, and the, there's the number one action film of Christmas, of course, Die Hard, which is maybe was like a, yes. a little warning that the war on Christmas uh, of what to expect there: exploding buildings and machine guns and and Europe, Eastern European terrorists. But I would like to ex- talk about the. The scary, the horror, the terrifying aspects yeah. of Christmas, the things that come to haunt you once a year. Well, you know, uh, it used to be a tradition during Christmas in some regions to tell ghost stories, actually. Not bad. Not in bad. fact, uh, in a lot of, uh, I wish I lost the article, but in a lot of sort of, especially in, in, in European cultures, Christmas and and the related sort of aesthetic was pretty creepy. We tell ghost stories. Um, there were 
different kinds of witches and ghouls and creatures that would come and get naughty children. It was a very dark holiday. It wasn't like us American Westerners that blast the airwaves with Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas and fill the, the holidays with commercialism. Like this was, These were dark traditions that were carried out by by our older ancestors. See, I think we are, even in our Western culture, aware of this the, the scary, terrifying aspect of Christmas. And, and, and what you're describing is really just a form of escapism because every day we wake up and we go, this is the darkest time with the shortest days of the year. It's the cold the coldest part of the year and there's there's people dying of of, of cold and yeah. uh, there's all kinds of rumors of spirits in the sky with sleighs screaming ho 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 and and landing on your roof and there's there's all these well there's all these eastern european legends of uh at this time of year of um different christmas spirits that steal children and put them in sacks and run away you're talking or, about the krampus there's the Krampus. Yeah, that's a good one. He'll come and he, he's got a few options there. He can, uh, I guess he holds a bundle of sticks that he can just beat the shit out of the kid with. Yeah. Or if the kid's bad enough, he'll just put him in his sack and, and run off with him and never to be seen again. Um, so what are the scariest so are things some, about Christmas to you, Matt? Well, I think I look back at my early childhood because Christmas uh, as a kid meant going to visit family which meant going to grandpa's house. Okay. And uh, my grandpa was uh, probably 75, 80 at the time, but he had gotten into a bad car accident and had some, uh, some, some, some help, reco- needed some help recovering. So his older okay. sisters moved in. So it was this house with three women all over the age of 90, all in homemade clothes and um, you know super wrinkly old women and they were the nicest women they were all they all they were all retired english teachers but when you're 5 and you're just around so much uh, how do i put it when 90 year old women in the 80s decorated their houses with really old shit man matt you're describing so, my place they well they they had this nativity scene that was this like hand carved thing from the twenties and it was just terrifying to look at. I still remember the face on Joseph and the the wise men were the scariest of all. I used to have nightmares about them. These the, they were about eighteen inches tall. These three wooden wise men that just like had these big freaky hats on. And um, I don't know. It's 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 nothing that would be considered scary as an adult, but to a five year old Matt in this. <coughs> pardon me in this dark house with these really old people and like all these old artifacts, you know, from the twenties the and the, the, who knows where they were from. I mean, they, they may have been passed down to them when they were kids. I mean, weird Christmas decorations, you know, just like old traditional European stuff that uh, came from some farmhouse that they well, grew up on in East Texas. And so much of it was based on, on like scary stories and tales and these, deep sort of morality guilt trips, you know, at the end of the year and have you been good or have you been bad? I think that, uh, you know, a lot of the aesthetic for, for Christmas is inadvertently still creepy, especially the older stuff. And I think it speaks to why during this time of year, although it might seem sort of counterintuitive, there are a lot of horror movies that come out about Christmas. Well, when you tell a child that, Santa's out there in the North Pole all year long in this big workshop with a bunch of elves making toys. That's pretty cool. But then when you tell him 
He also watches you all year. He knows if you've been bad or good. He can see everything. He'll bring you less toys if you're bad. You know, when you start telling him all this other stuff that now the kid doesn't just have a nice old man bringing him toys at the end of the year made by friendly elves, but he's got this weird observer that he doesn't know that's an elderly man that's not a part of his family that's just watching the kid. Man, what else does this, he see? You're taking what us to a really dark about? place and weird place. Well, the, I'm saying it opens things up. It's like, it's that whole thing, you know, if 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 one supernatural thing is possible, then any supernatural thing is possible. If Santa's real, then probably Freddy Krueger is and ghosts and right. werewolves. Are you saying uh, that well, Freddy Krueger isn't real? Well, but you get what I'm saying. What else exists? Why not werewolves? Why not monsters under the bed? Who says they don't? You know, why not the devil? Who All says, of that stuff. Who says that there is not another galaxy, another dimension, where there are metaphysical creatures that can periodically cross over into our dimension and wreak havoc on on the laws of physics as we know them? Well, who knows? I mean, you have no evidence for any of that. but And I have but, no evidence against it. But the main saw, point being, but I saw though, YouTube. I, th- I think you're missing my point, though. I don't think you're getting what I'm saying, man. I am definitely not. Yeah, it's what I'm saying is, if you're telling a child that this one supernatural thing exists and it's Santa with this whole list of powers, why wouldn't that child open that up to all of the other terrifying stuff that he also doesn't want to? To the ghosts, to the monsters, sure. to, to why everything. He? Why shouldn't he? Exactly. So that's that's the the the, the, the issue there. That's what makes. Christmas so terrifying is it's this huge significant thing in every child's life that opens their minds up to this this possibility to this new reality that anything can be real I don't know that I could argue those facts I think part of that scariness has led to some really cool Christmas horror movies well well I have my own thoughts on that of horror movies and Christmas I I'm still not quite sure it works. And you had me watch okay. one. All right. Yeah. So we watch. Okay. Yeah. So just, so that's fair. That's fair because it is a, it is a juxtaposition between what we traditionally think of as Christmas movies and horror movies. And even to your point though, Matt, like, yes, there's a lot about Christmas that is creepy. And the idea that there is that kind of magic that exists could open the door up for you believing in any kind of supernatural fright as well as the good. Correct. Yeah. Especially when, if you grew up in a household where, where Christmas is connected to some sort of punishment for being bad. So, you know, from that anxiety comes some horror films. And one of which we watch, which is on Shudder, our favorite streaming platform. And that was a Christmas horror story, which I have to admit, Matt, I just got back to Los Angeles and I decided that before I watched this movie, I was going to enjoy one of California's legal and finest crop and I was confused for a good chunk of that movie. <laughs> That's that must have been some some good stuff, man, because it is not that confusing of a film. It, I, I it's was basically what what it tries to be is like the trick or treat. You know, y'all know that movie Trick or Treat, yeah. where it's a bunch of little vignettes of of Halloween horror stories, but they're all kind of happening at the same time. This film tries to be the the trick or treat of Christmas. That's what I felt like. Yeah, it definitely did, and I and I didn't pick up on that immediately. I was just. There was just this sort of non sequitur stories just bouncing back and forth, and I didn't really understand why. Because unlike Trick or Treat, which sort of tells one story, then dovetails, you know, there's like a little interconnectivity that leads to the next story. But generally speaking, you're telling one story. 
right? That's true. Yeah, you let the story play out, and then it, it then you see the connection. Crash is another version, or 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 uh, you know, uh, Pulp Fiction. Lots of these movies have been done. This movie, which has three directors, so um, it's directed by a, a, a Gary Harvey, Steve Hobbin, and Brett Sullivan. And I don't know which segments they directed, or maybe they directed all three of them all together, or all four of them all together. But this movie just sort of bounces back and forth from the stories uh, with some decent transitions, but they don't allow one story to play out and then jump to the next. It's it's, it's You really have to watch to get the whole thing. You have to watch the whole movie to get the, the, the all the stories and kind of see how they conclude. Um, William Shatner plays a, a sort of crumgrudgeon radio host on Christmas Eve, sort of drinking spiked eggnog and rambling mostly. He mostly just rambles. It's very obvious that they hired William Shatner for like a day and got him to just sort of probably really drink and just talk. Well, he did a great job. He was great. I, I... And in, in, in his whole story, it, it kind of reminded me of a, a Pontypool, uh, where it was kind of like you're you're getting a, a third, a third hand uh, description of a horror story, and sure, you're trying yeah, right. to piece together the clues. You're like, ah, oh, what's going on? You know, it was just a radio DJ reporting to you of of things he's he's getting reported to him right you know? right and, and, and so you're getting this really uh oh this is intriguing. It was very cool. You've seen Pontypool, right? You know what I'm talking no. about? No. It's it's also a Canadian horror film okay. um, about uh, possibly about a zombie invasion. It's okay. it's a really strange film, but you don't see any of it. You just you're just in the radio station with the DJ and his crew, uh, and they're receiving phone calls. Oh, that's cool. And they're trying to piece together what the hell's going on outside. Kind of like the book of World War Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the movie. So, the movie was. Eh, it's all right, but whatever. It was not the book was great. So yeah, so it's William Shatner, and he's in this radio station like by himself with like this one other guy, who you briefly see, uh, and he's just talking about reports that he's getting, and you know, basically being a grumpy old dude on on Christmas, and then you have, um, well, I guess I should run down the segments, and Matt, feel free to fill in any of the blanks that maybe my uh, crop induced state missed. Well, no, you're you're okay because I, I will say it's not entirely upfront. There there is a, a about the first twenty minutes of the movie, you are trying to figure out how these stories connect, right? And yeah, it's not immediately obvious, and and then you go, oh, they they don't actually connect. Okay, yeah, I mean they loosely connect, right? <laughs> loosely so, connect. So you yeah. have a you have Santa versus zombie elves, which is the most bombastic of all the segments. It's very for much of it up until the very end. It's uh, from a visual standpoint, it's like very crushed, contrasted filming style. It has VFX CGI on the level of the best porno film possible. It's straight out of nineteen ninety eight. Sort of. I will say, in fairness, it's mostly practical effects. But yeah, they did have a straight up like PlayStation Two cutscene quality. Uh, Pan of Santa's workshop from the outside. Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of other beginning. moments. Yeah. But listen, listen, I'm not saying that I've watched this, but if you've ever seen the porno pirates, it's on par with that level of VFX. <laughs> okay, uh, I've never heard of it. Not that I would know. I that. know porno for pyros. A yes, band same thing. Same 90s. Yeah, okay, of course. Yeah. Uh, then there's another one about a family that goes to get a Christmas tree and goes onto some. Uh, some trespasses on some private property out in the middle of nowhere, and yeah, they don't bring- do that. 
don't don't go steal Christmas trees. From oh yeah, some I thought you were talking ranch. me. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, public don't tell that story. Yeah, you could tell. No, I'm just saying. Public service announcement. Like, don't steal. Don't go. Just go. Don't go. Just go cut down some random tree. That's and not do you know cool. Why? Because <laughs> yeah, your child why. might get lost, and you might bring home a changeling. Oh yeah. Well, we learned another reason why not to yeah. do this. Um, but, but also, you might get caught, which is even. Not to give away too many spoilers, but like I, I loved that part when they get that phone call and the guy's like, "I'm the man whose property you went on and stole a tree." Don't you know? And he's not mad about it, but he's more mad. Like they stole oh, a yeah, changeling. You got got caught there. He saw you. Yeah, yeah you never know. So there's that <laughs> yeah. one. Uh, then there's a um, and actually I don't think that family really ever connects to anyone else, do they? That's kind of like the outlier story. I feel like where there's not even the loosest of connections there. No, that one's just a standalone for sure. Uh, and then you have a family who uh, they decide to go visit their rich aunt who's never invited them over. And they run afoul of the Krampus, which looked cool. I liked that. Yeah. His, again, his chain and hook were bad, bad, bad visual effects. I would not be surprised if a visual effects company was not a producer on this film because it was pretty rough. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Uh they because he's kind of like Lobo from DC, where he's got that chain yeah. and a hook, and he yeah, throws yeah, yeah. it and grabs stuff. But he's and he's also Krampus. Cr- works Krampus, out. Krampus is like a a wiry, you know, freaky looking goat man. Like oh uh, no, not a, this Krampus. You know, with this a Krampus, big it's... beard, and he's just like he's. This was like a wrestler Krampus. No, listen, this, guy this was... Krampus does not skip leg day. No, he doesn't. When <laughs> yeah. when when people ask this Krampus if he even lift bro. He does lift, bro. This Krampus is jacked. And he needs to be jacked, Jack as we'll Krampus. find out later on. Because uh, maybe maybe that's why it's called Jack Frost. It's not Jack Frost. He's Jacked Frost, the Krampus. Maybe if they do a sequel, we'll find we'll, we'll get to meet Jack Frost. Yeah, who's well. also shredded. Uh, yeah. And then and then there was a sort of a uh, this kind of again weird segment where it's these kids creeping down to the basement where there was a murder and uh, they sort of find themselves in the same shoes as this murder, living it out again. It was all really, really odd. I don't even understand how that one was Christmas related. It wasn't. It almost feels like that one didn't even belong other than uh, the kids from that segment were friends with the girl from the Krampus segment. And there's a brief moment where like, they're like buddies and they're like, That's you should come why with it was us. So confusing. That's why we thought, oh yeah, it's all going to tie together. In fact, yeah. at one point, I thought the daughter from the Krampus segment looked so much like the other girl from the school segment that I thought right. it was the same person. I got really confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, so what would which I was did, your you know? Fi- I think the the only way, the only Christmas thing I could say from that one where the kids go to go to investigate the school where the murders took place, uh, I think it. They they watch a like a news segment before they go, right? And in a cop or so I don't know if it's a news segment or if it's like a no, body it's like cam surve- I think it's like surveillance footage or body cam footage, something like that. Yeah, but w- one of the police officers is uh, singing a Christmas song. Maybe well, is it meant to be? It's meant to be some weird dark twist on the uh, the Immaculate Conception, isn't it? I mean, like ultimately, like there's there's a there's a um. You might know the Bible verse better than I would, but it definitely refers to like Mary being impregnated and, you know, in, in the, so, so just as backstory for this segment, I guess there was a murder where this girl died trying to abort her own baby. And 
it was all, and then like people went down there and they also ended up dying. And so these kids go down there and the ghost of the woman who tried to abort her baby impregnates the spoilers, obviously, but this yeah, film, a, I don't think okay. anyone's worried about that. I think honestly, with some of these segments, I, I feel like, uh, I missed details because I just wasn't interested enough. Unfortunately, that's really mean to say, but it just, uh, that like that one, I just kept, kept waiting to, it's a turn into some kind of cool, compelling thing, and um, so which I, was your, I still don't know why nuns were there. My, well, my because favorite, it was a Christian, was it was like favorite. a Christian school. Yeah, well, I, I yeah, I mean, but like why, why the nuns were evil, or I, I didn't get it. Uh, well, <laughs> well, what is, they were trying to pull. This off. This is always sort of the um, I, I love anthology films, yeah, because they're like a box of chocolate. You never know what you're gonna get, and Ooh. oftentimes what you get is bad. You know, sometimes it's good. And this is coming from the co-producer of VHS Viral, which is, you know, widely lamented as the worst of the trilogy. <laughs> like sometimes you just you, you never know what you're going to get in your anthology series. And um, was VH Viral the one that had the like Korean cult? No, uh, that's the good one. That's VHS, too. Oh, I unfortunately well. did not get to work on that one. Was it the one that had the guys on vacation and then like the prostitutes start killing them or something? Uh, n- no, that was Siren, which was the spinoff from VHS One. I did produce that one. Well, I'm sure VHS Viral is a good. It's got its moments. You did a good job. It's got. Some, I didn't have anything to do with the creative. I just like to point that out. It came <laughs> in on budget though. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, yeah. So so I don't know. So which was your favorite of it? Because for me, the one. That was my favorite was the changeling one because it felt like a, like a tells from the crypt episode. It was that, pretty contained. It had no, no even loose connection to any of the other stories. And it felt the creepiest. Like it's a little bit of a pet cemetery meets, I don't know, child's play. It was eerie. There was some lore in there that I was, I, th- I found interesting. Like, I don't know. What was your take on it? On the, uh, the changeling one? Oh, you know what? There is a loose connection. I just remembered. The father is a police detective who uh, is investigating the case from the basement. He's like flipping through his files and it's like photos from that. Uh, I just remembered that. Why did they feel the need to connect these stories? I was just confused. It was weird. It was confusing. Okay. They were very ambitious, but uh, uh, the, uh, th- that was a good one. I did enjoy it. It wasn't my favorite, but okay. uh, you know, right. if you, you're asking how I felt about it. Um, it was uh, it was fun to see the kid do his little transition and yeah, that was cool. And then um, I uh, good kid actor. I liked the the way it resolved. It was, yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, I do think the best one though, and 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 for the same reason, I thought it felt a lot like a Tales from the Crypt story. Was the Santa one man. really? That was, so I, you yeah, know, that was good. I was I uh, yeah. So this so, so the story for this is that Santa's you know getting ready for his his yearly uh, journey across the globe, transcending time and space. And then for no reason that I could remember, other than it's alluded that he must be behind it, one of his elves, I think his name is Shiny, he just yeah. freaks out and becomes a zombie. And just he, starts cursing well, he, out. No, he, he doesn't become a zombie. He just gets really angry and says something very rude to Mrs. Claus. And then he hits his own hand with an axe and dies. But doesn't he become a zombie? Well, that 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 later on, when all the elves, are, you know, he does come back. But 
Yeah, in the beginning, it's just this like, whoa, what's wrong with that guy? And then he dies, and then all the other elves say, but Santa, elves can't die. And Santa's saying, no, elves can't die. So that, okay, listen. So I didn't understand if this movie was intentionally trying to be a B movie or unintentionally. There's, look, I want to preface by saying, like, I think that generally I liked this movie. Okay, like, generally I would watch it again. I'd probably want to watch it in a different state of mind. But there were some real b-level lines and and scenes that i was like is this intentional or i think it's just just mr mark just canadian i think oh is that Uh, what it is it's a canadian film yeah uh so sorry sorry too much much maple syrup and poutine (laughs) sorry to our uh vast theoretical canadian vast canadian fan base our non-existent canadian listener um but no i um I know what you're saying. It did have that feel, but it but I felt like uh, in the end it kind of resolved itself to why it felt so much like that. But we won't spoil that because that was a pretty fun reveal. Do we not want to uh, spoil it? Do we not want to talk about it? No, I, I don't think we should. Uh, but okay, I will I'll say just say this: something I'll- something cool that that, and I think why I like that part, that segment so much. The uh, Santa versus the evil elves. So have you have you seen or heard the uh, the TED talk by Dr. Steven Schultzman? About no, horror films. Do you, are, you watch Steve talk? TED Talks? Huh? Wouldn't that be a Steve Talk? It's a Steve Talk on the TED conference. Okay. And it's uh he's a Steve Schultzman is a uh he's he's a horror writer, he's a child psychologist, and uh he's someone that thinks a lot about horror. And I I heard this recently, someone sent it to me because I, I just the kind of stuff we talk about on the show is like about how horror reflects the concerns of society yeah, right. and so and uh so he he has a TED talk called horror films are a mirror or something, something along that line. Okay, yeah. But uh, one of the things he talks about is um, a, a thing that, that, that constant uh, that, that often gets used in horror films is, is the, uh, the changing of patterns. It's like L uh, the uh, things don't match. So like elves are supposed to be sweet and friendly and, you know, shiny. Would you like a cookie? Right. No, I don't want a cookie, but shiny cookies are good. You know, it's a line for the film. And it's that moment when Shiny swears at Mrs. Claus and calls her a you know, whore and you know some really nasty stuff. That's when you first get that that pattern going uh, incorrectly. You know right, what you're right. subvert so your expectations. Yeah, the expectation is now opposite. It's flipped. And good horror films uh, they do a lot of that. You know, uh, it for example with the clown. You know, a clown is supposed to be sure, at a birthday yeah. party, but he's not supposed to be in your house with a, a knife. He's not supposed to have big scary teeth, you know. The, the the clown make up big scary teeth. It's it's a thing. And so, when you have elves that are bleeding and they have like horrible, you know, monster teeth, and they're swearing and attacking Santa, and uh, Santa is uh, suddenly a badass trained samurai Santa that's doing all kinds <laughs> of wicked, you know, Spartan spear moves and stuff. Uh, it's it's a whole bunch of patterns in your brain, a whole bunch of expectations are just getting all juxtaposed and <laughs> flipped around, and and, uh, and I think that's that's really cool. I, that that's something you can do with Christmas that could make for some really uh really fun and compelling Christmas horror. And I don't see a lot of that in most Christmas horror tales. And this one did that really well, and I thought well, that was really cool. Well, again, I don't want to spoil the ending. Um, I will say this. Up until the ending of this segment, I thought the quality of the film was so bad 
you know, like uh, the cheese level was at an all time high. Uh, but there was a part of me that kind of enjoyed, enjoyed that like sort of bombasticness. And there's lots of obviously influence of evil dead involved in it as well. Like you could see that pretty, pretty obviously, but I think it totally stuck the ending. The stuck yeah. the landing. It was so, it was like, I didn't see that coming. It, it, it did kind of a trope that I dislike. was like, let me show you the flash, the flashbacks of the things you missed. But even in that, I was like, oh, because this segment plays like almost like an action film more than it does a horror yeah. until the very end. And then it's like depressingly horror. I sure depressing. I was laughing. I was great. I was very entertained I, at that you're point. You're weirdo. That was no, sad. It was great. This was, I mean, I can't get into it. Go watch it. But like, it was you guys so let us know. Was it was it cool? totally tales from the crypt. I could totally imagine the crypt keeper having some pun about the guy. And oh, I guess oh, no. Yeah, it was yeah. dark though, man. It was very dark. <laughs> it was dark, but it was how, the kind of dark I like to enjoy. How do you, how'd cool. you like the uh, the Krampus one? The the Krampus one. Even though it was cool because there was a Krampus, I felt like it was the weakest of all of them. Even the school one. The school one was was weird, but, like, it was creepy and it was dark. The Krampus one was, like, I mean, I liked it because the Krampus was in it, but but even it felt like the least developed. It was, yeah, it, it was kind of a... It was a, it was a good horror tale uh, short because it had a lot of the... Uh, it explained itself in a good way that the, we we find out that the family may have been a little more naughty than they were letting on. Sure, yeah. And uh, so it 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 was cool to see a a, a horror. I think there have been some other attempts at Christmas horror films in the past that haven't really dealt with the naughty and nice aspect of Christmas. You know, sure, and, I can uh, see that. Uh, which is because it's kind of it's kind of goofy, and it was it was I think it was bold to see a. a, a a horror director writer take that on to say, I'm going to show, I'm going to do a horror story about what happens to the the very naughty, you know, uh, and what, what that experience would be like. And uh, that was good. Cause I I do feel that usually when there's a Christmas killer story, it's just kind of this, it's the same as any horror film. It's anybody in his way is going to get hurt, you know, but this one, uh, he, he, he did have a, a uh, true to the legend discrimination about uh, people's behavior, and if you are naughty, you better watch out for this Krampus. Because so basically, coming. the Krampus is Jason Voorhees. I guess I I feel well no because we've discussed that the campers in uh, Friday the Thirteenth aren't exactly naughty; they're just young and having fun, and oh. they're they're only naughty if you're the worst kind of neocon freakazoid uptight person uh, they're they they are sexually active is what they are so that's that, if you consider that naughty that whereas this family was like would. this family was more like victimizing people in, in bad ways and you know things and torturing animals possibly it was that. i suppose that's true that's supposed to be true so so that being said what uh we, we're gonna go to our trusty old tusk rating what would you give a Christmas horror story on the Tusk meter? Uh, can we do candy canes instead of tusks just because it's a Christmas one? Yeah, sure. <laughs> but but they have to be sharpened ca- candy canes. That you yeah, that's right. With. Sh- sharpened eye poking candy canes. I would give it three and a half. Three and a half. I'm gonna go with. Um, I'm gonna go with three and a half. Yeah, I, I buy that only because I feel like. There's some misses, but I'd watch it again. It's one of those fun flicks. It's not great, but it was entertaining. And 
it'd be enjoyable to put on in the background and watch and see some of the silliness occur. And that's okay. Not all films have to be cinema. Sometimes films can be amusement parks and that's Uh, okay. Also. Yeah. I I will say though, if you're looking for a much more fun Christmas horror film, um, Santa sleigh, the one that I I talked about like last week, I guess with Goldberg, uh, Gold wrestling. I mean, he, he makes all Christmas movies better, obviously. Yeah. It's, well, it's kind of what I thought this one would be because the cover of this one is uh, just it's Santa in in melee combat with Krampus. And I thought yeah, this right. one was going to be a lot more of like an action crazy. I mean, Santa Slay is basically the Terminator if Santa Claus was was the Terminator. Like he's just he's right, just a right. mer- I mean, not, not that he's a robot, but you know what I mean? It's just one powerful, strong guy with weapons Freakazoid. coming after people. And uh, it was pretty cool. Which is this was just the true spirit of Christmas. Um, you know, a, another movie that's a good I think a, a little bit uh, uh, in line with a good Christmas tale. That's also horror that I watched on the plane ride back was Anna and the Apocalypse. Have you seen that? Uh, no, what's, what's the time with Christmas? What is that? So it's set during Christmas time, um, during a pageant. Uh, and it's a little bit of, if you took say like Shaun of the dead and you mixed it with like glee, this would, and, and it involved Christmas and zombies. This would be Anna and the apocalypse. All right. A Scottish film, a a self-described horror comedy, even though it is very sad. There are some sad, dark moments in this film. But ultimately, it involves a group of kids in some Scottish sort of a, I don't know, sort of a um, uniformed academy having to survive an apo- a zombie apocalypse on Christmas Eve. Hmm. Is it, is it uh, the is the zombie apocalypse Christmas caused? Is there some kind of Christmas they never, legend? They never explain why the zombie apocalypse occurs during Christmas, but there are a lot of songs. All right. There's, there's a lot of musical. There's, it, it is a musical, as well as a zombie film, as well as a holiday film, as well as a uh, sort of a teen drama. All right. Well, yeah. There's there's a there's a possibility for some Christmas viewing. Uh, Dave, do you have any uh, tr- things that you watch every year around Christmas time? Like traditional things that you watch? Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. That's Die a Hard. One. You know, uh, those are always kind of. Uh, you know, look, I, I know it's the sappy version, but like. Um, uh, Love Actually, you know, it's one of those right, films yeah. that just feels very Christmassy during that time. Um, yeah, I don't know. What about you, Matt? Yeah, Ramona and I, we've got a couple that uh, are kind of weird, but um, Tim and Eric did a uh, Christmas special of sorts that's called Tim and Eric's Crimbus Special. Okay. And it's a uh, it's an infomercial about the DVD of the infomercial. So it's like you're watching the special, but it's a commercial for the DVD of the special you're watching. That's and uh, it's very it's, meta. Yeah, it is. But they made up a fake Christmas like uh, holiday called Crimbus. Okay. And uh, it's all about the spirit of getting. And um, it's, it's super weird, man. I don't know. You have to like Tim and Eric. I mean, it's totally gross and just bizarre, but we, we watch that every year. And then um, there's a, and there's there's a really cool Christmas special uh, from England. Uh, it's got a lot of the guys from the Mighty Boosh, uh, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, uh, the IT Crowd. You know, it's 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 that whole uh-huh. comedy crew of like, uh, yeah, you, you've seen those shows. You, you know what I'm yeah, talking of course. about. And uh, but it, they they did this half hour Christmas special that's supposed to be uh, a story of the Immaculate Conception and 
the birth of Jesus. Brilliant. And it's called uh, ADBC, a rock opera. And it's it's a lot like if you've seen uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, you know, okay. that, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Okay. Uh, what's that other one with the where everybody's got the rainbow God, God spell? You know, it's that that's type of it's a it's a fake one of those kind of the things. But it but right, it's fucking right. hilarious, man. And I definitely recommend yeah seeing that. So what? Uh, you, how many tusks like would you give that? A five tusk. Five tusk. <laughs> I'm gonna give Anna and the Apocalypse four tusk. Four tusk. Only because you should not make me tear up on an airplane ride that's unfair especially when you're just described as a horror comedy caught me a little off guard there hmm. but uh, it is good uh, it's worth watching and this one sounds like it's worth watching as well the more musicals during christmas especially if they involve scary stuff yes uh, tim and eric's crimbus special is a musical also so Perfect. so both of my recommendations are going to give you some new christmas songs uh to seeing uh tim and eric's crimbus special is gonna be a little easier what am i going to get it's a little more accessible than like the uh rock opera um prog rock styles of uh 80 bc but go ahead and give it a try well why don't we reach into santa's sack and pull out a few mailbag questions all right santa's bag let's check it out questions from the correct sam v blair asks what is this episode about yeah well if you've been listening to this episode then you know that this episode is about how scary christmas is it is creepy it is eerie it is dark and it should give you frights at night that's right the first the first monster we were all introduced to santa claus who opened the door to all the other horrors that haunted you think about it it's true and everyone knows that if you rearrange the letters in santa you get could it be Jude S. Walker asks, J.K. Rowling, stan or cancel, and why specifically? Whew, Jude throwing in the fucking burners, throwing the fastball at us. Is he? What's going on? What is he? Okay, who so is I'm Stan? Gonna... What, did, what does Harry Potter do? What's going on? Okay, so first off, we have to define stan and cancel. Stan is to show, stand in solidarity or fanboy over something, and canceling means to cancel. And, and look, guys, we're going to keep this show positive. But I'll just give you a little tidbit of what's going on behind the curtain on in the Twitter world. There was a lady who was an accountant who had her contract not renewed on the basis of some tweets that she made regarding transgender, specifically women, and her contention that um, gender should not be conflated with sex. Where this sort of came to national prominence is J.K. Rowling did a tweet where she stood in, she stand for this lady Maya uh, and and was aghast that she would not have her job renewed because she felt like, to quote J.K. Rowling's, pretend sex is not real. I think sometimes we get lost, we get mired in the weeds of semantics in these arguments. And I think we missed a bigger point. You know, there are people on both sides claiming all kinds of science and psychology and whatever to sort of make their standpoint. And I think this is the real standpoint that matters. Your opinions and your voice, especially if you're a person of power, has some impact on the way real people are treated. And whether or not you think this or you think that, you have to understand and you have to weigh the power of your words and how they may influence people. 
we see this with our we, uh, our president all the time, our impeached president, and the words that he says on Twitter and what that incites. I don't know the intentions of J.K. Rowling. I don't know I because we haven't heard more than this one tweet about why she responded in the way that she did and whether or not that means she's a transphobe or, or otherwise. But I, I do think that as a person of power, with great power comes great responsibility. And I think that she spoke somewhat irresponsibly. Matt, what are your feelings on this? Well, I'm looking at the uh, the tweets of this uh, this woman, this Maya Forstater, I guess. Forstater? I don't know. Yeah. But uh, she's got, uh, she says she's happy to use the preferred pronouns and accept everyone's humanity and right to free expression. And that's, and that's great. That's good, great good for her. But then she, in the same tweet she's saying uh trans women are not women they're 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 that's that's to totalitarian to say that okay uh you can't wear putting on makeup and heels doesn't make a man a woman uh what in the hell is she trying to do uh i, I don't know th- look this again, is ridiculous like so I, what is she I, so she's kind of establishing that uh there's um a whole another gender called trans women and, and, and a, a, a woman that uh, knows that she is trans has to, intro- has to, has to go by that from now on or something. That sounds, yeah, that sounds look, fun. Everybody's going to want to do that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Why I, do these I, people I, do this kind of stuff? Why do they go on Twitter and just start saying all these dumbass opinions trying to, what are they trying to do? What's the point of this? I think that Twitter offers a platform to the reactionary. And I think oftentimes what people do is they see it as a way to vent and then get some sort of validation for their suppressed feelings. And again, I'm, ne- I'm neither a woman, nor would I understand what it would feel like to be a woman, and nor would I understand what it would be like to be a trans woman or man. Uh, so I don't know where she's coming from. I don't oh. know where she's coming from, from on an emotional level. So her Here's- employer, uh, or I guess her, uh, her client, decided they didn't want this person associated with their company. Correct. Um, that makes good sense to me, honestly. I, I Not not because like, oh, this lady's evil, but just like, why on earth would you want someone in your company that other people are going to have to work with that has all all of it out in the open like that? You know, what what if they hire someone that's trans? What if they don't even know they've hired someone that's trans? What if they sure, have some work in there already that's trans well, that has, to, has to work with this woman who's already been out there on the internet saying all her just baseless opinions. Well, no. I feel, I feel two ways on that. On the one hand, totally understand that viewpoint. That makes perfect sense. I'm also very weary of giving employers the right to police morality. Uh, we saw it with James Gunn. He, James Gunn used to make some very off color jokes and he was fired off guardians of the galaxy from Disney for tweets. He'd made years and years ago that weren't even directed at anyone you know, these 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 tweets are a lot more pointed and I think a lot more harmful. In the case of James Gunn, they were just bad, tasteless humor. Yeah, they were bad jokes. Um, so I, I, yeah. Huh? They, they were bad jokes. I mean, that was bad. Yeah, they're bad jokes. The but they were jokes. Just kind of like, I mean, they, they were just bad jokes, you know, just tasteless. Yeah. But, but you know, but at the same time, like, I, I'm really weary of giving uh, employers the, the ability to sort of like affect your livelihood based on what you say in your social media to, to a degree, because on the other argument to your point, Matt, like 
if this company were to hire a trans person, would they feel comfortable in an environment where someone has outed themselves as having a very uh, authoritative or authoritarian viewpoint on something that really has nothing to do with them? I, I understand both sides, but I think it's very challenging when when we give corporations the ability to sort of police morality. So from that perspective, I guess to answer Jude's question, do I stand or do I cancel? I neither. I put a pox on the houses, both of them. <laughs> well, why, is, Joe Bob Briggs why is J.K. Because, Rowling even jumping in on this? What does she have to do well, with listen, any of this? Listen, these she's got these are like the people that put those uh, anti-gay bumper stickers, God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And it's just like, why do you, why do you care? Why the well, hell do you care about these? What the, how these people are living their lives? What does it well, have to do with question, you? Matt, I think that's an important question. And this is where I would ultimately like to take this conversation. I think it's important to ask the question and to listen to the answer. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to agree with the answer, but I know that there is zero chance of changing the perspective of someone if you're not willing to have a conversation with them. And I know that doesn't apply for everything. I'm the first person to say punch a Nazi. But I also, nothing that I've seen about J.K. Rowling has told me that she's a that she comes off as a completely bigoted person. In fact, you know, some would argue that she has been a champion for, you know, different kinds of rights in the past. But, uh, and, and in fact, I saw one person who tweeted that um, them coming out as a trans person was um, not inspired, but like that transition was really helped by reading the Harry Potter books and the, oh, okay. the sense of inclusion in them and what have you. So I think that, I think that we should neither stand nor cancel. I think we should, have a conversation i think i would love to see what her perspective is even if it's wrong and i i would really like her i think we, what we should do is we should instead of like getting all tribal and picking a side i think that we should, we should urge her to have a conversation with someone who is trans who might offer her a perspective that she is not privy to or 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 open to hearing uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's uh, I mean, hell, I don't know. There's not don't make some policy that everybody has to abide by. Just if you uh, next time you're watching a J.K. Rowling movie, if you're just thinking uh, uh, she's she kind of pissed me off with that crap she said on Twitter and um, I, I don't feel quite right watching this. Then just turn it off, you know, because and, and, there, and there, there's your your answer, because like uh, you don't have to watch something. I have art, I have plenty of artists like that that I feel that way about that. I, We've man, talked I, about lots of times. Yeah, I really don't like this guy and this. You know, I used to like this movie, but this guy's kind of a jerk now. So I, I don't feel like watching this and I just turn it off, you know, and uh, that unfortunately uh, or, or maybe just justfully uh, justly, uh, maybe that's what should happen with J.K. Rowling. I, I don't know, but um, I just think it's I just think it's super weird that J.K. Rowling felt the need to speak up about this. Like, why is this so important to you that you have to come out? And eh, so I, I've got to say something from my pulpit because she's out there trying to marginalize trans people and uh, having consequences for publicly doing so. And I've got to come to her support. You know, it's, it's bizarre. I mean, I J.K. Know. Rowling, what's the deal with you? Uh, but, 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 but like, again, this is what I think we need to be weary of because like we're saying that in the mocking tone, but she might have a reason that in her mind is legitimate from a, from a female perspective, from a woman's perspective. Now, again, I'm not saying it's right. In fact, my inclination is to say that her reasoning will be flawed at best, but as a man, I'm not willing to tell a woman how she should feel about this either. 
So I think we need to have a conversation. I think that's what needs to occur. I think we need to put the pitchforks down. We need to put the uh, the raw raw pom poms down, and I think we need to figure out why. That's a good question, Matt. Why does she feel the urge to say this? Let's have that conversation. Let's talk about it because that's the only way that we're going to come to any sort of, um, you know, unified uh, mentality. That's fine. All right. Well, I mean, that's true. And that's true. Conversation is very important. But I, but I will just give this piece of advice. If uh, someone's out there trying to live their lives and, and you don't quite understand or relate to the way they live, just, you know, as long as it's something personal that has to do with them, they're not hurting anyone, you know, just uh, it, it, really just leave it alone. Don't leave it alone, guys. Yeah. Treat, each, treat each other excellently. It's the best advice we can give you guys. Yeah. Okay. Question number three. Zeus from Blackheart Coffee asks, who would win Thunderdome style? Mad Mardigan and Willow versus Aragorn and Frodo Baggins? Uh, Tough one from our partners over doing our, speaking of Krampus, doing our Krampus coffee blend. This is uh, quite a coincidence here. You've you've been on social media a lot lately talking about Willow and Lord of the Rings and which one's better. And then we get this... This question from uh, some friends of yours at a coffee company that you're I didn't coach with. this. Sure this is, is sure is a coincidence. Well, I'm sure it's inspired by my ranting oh, online about how Willow's better than Lord of the Rings. How, how suspicious. I didn't well, coach this. I'm sure you have an opinion on this. I do. I do. I've thought I've thought about this because this question came in this morning, and so I've had a couple hours to think about it. Oh yeah. And I just and, just and started I thinking kinda, about it today. Yeah. No, I just, I'm, I'm serious. You can check the timestamp. <laughs> so I'm sure it all checks out. Um, okay. So, so you gotta, so this is interesting because, because Zeus, uh, he, it's not Mad Mardigan versus Aragorn. It's Mad Mardigan and Willow versus Aragorn and Frodo. And I think that makes things a little more complicated. So first off it's Thunderdome style. So I mean, it's a pretty enclosed area, right? So there's not a lot of running around, which is good for both Willow and Frodo as they wouldn't be able to carry themselves quite as fast. Now, I think you got to give Will you got to give Frodo the tactical advantage. I mean, he's got Stinger, he's killed orcs with swords. He's a little bit more battle battle uh, weary than Willow is, but Willow has magic, but not very good magic. So that's something to consider. Now, Aragorn is quite the ranger. He's very strong quite formidable with a sword, but Mad Mardigan is the greatest swordsman who ever lived. According to himself. According to himself and everyone else who watched him. So here's <laughs> here's how I think it goes down. I think initially Aragorn and Frodo take the advantage as they're a bit more serious off the bat. And I think that Willow tries to do some magic and it gets him killed by Frodo via Stinger. Now, up until this point, Mad Morgan is kind of goofing around with Aragorn. He's staying in the fight, but he's not, he's not taking it very seriously. But then when Willow is killed by Frodo, that's when Mad Morgan turns it up a notch. And I think he takes them both out. I think he decapitates Frodo, and I think he drives his sword. He drives Stinger, in fact, as he, he's now fighting with two swords, through the heart of Aragorn, much to the dismay of Liv Tyler. Well, that is quite an adventure. That that sounds like a pretty gnarly fight, man. Uh, I, I, if I had to predict, I would say uh, all four of them recognize uh, like a, 
uh, mutual quality for uh, just being really cool and having cool adventures and justice and stuff. So they use all of their combined powers, uh, Willow's magic and uh, the Frodo's uh, ring that makes him invisible. And they, and they use it all to outsmart Tina Turner and escape the Thunderdome. And then um, pursued through the desert by uh, the, uh, the, the people of Bartertown, they're, they're caught and then they're all put in those cages that Mad Mardigan was in, uh, in in the beginning and they all have to hang there in those cages uh, with no one to uh, to help them. And then um, after being in the cage for like a week and they're like starving and running out of water, uh, that's when um, a, a, a quest crew of uh, the... Uh, who, who's Scrappy. Scrappy? Who's Scrappy? No, just some Scrappy travelers. Yeah, but who is some it? ruffians. Who comes by? What about the Witcher? Oh, it isn't out yet, but oh, okay. It just, it just so came out. then, after 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 a week of hanging in the uh, cages and uh, almost starving to death, uh, that's when the crew from uh, Kroll comes by. Uh, and oh, then, yeah, nice. the Cyclops nice and the dude with the cool Kroll star thing, and so they break them out and they become like this '80s Super Quest team. And like uh, somehow Mad Max is involved. That's what I would think would happen. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for joining us on our 50th episode and our Christmas special. We hope that we have enlightened you to the creepiness that can be Christmas and that you check out uh, Anna and the Apocalypse and a Christmas horror story and the Tim, Eric, Tim and Eric special and ABBA, whatever that other show was. That oh, you, uh, <laughs> what was it? ABDC. Abracadabra. ABDC. ACDC. ADBC. ADBC. Yeah, check it okay. out. It's on YouTube. Check them all. It's check out ACDC too. To they need some love. Speaking of, we we can't close the show yet. We haven't given given each other our gifts. Oh. Yeah. All right. Well, Matt, I I I have something for you that I'd like to share. That I think, uh, you know, this is the season of giving, and I I'd like to share share with you something that I think will make you happy. So I've shared with you as my gift four minutes and thirteen seconds of Nicolas Cage losing his shit. Oh, I love that video where he's, yeah, he's screaming the bees, the bees, and just all the different Nicolas Cage freakouts that all stitched together. That's right. That's right. That's very thoughtful, man. Thank you. And um, for you, I have a a video um, uh, that a man filmed of himself uh, rollerblading through a busy city street. He And he has like a drone that's following him and filming him. Okay. Yeah. And uh-huh. then he has a really funny crash. So oh, I, I love it when people get hurt. <laughs> yeah, that's all <laughs> the internet's really my dark for. Heart. It really is just videos of people crashing into stuff. But and yeah, I, I think you're especially going to like the part where he hits the car door and uh, the stupid look on his face. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, thank you guys for joining us. We hope that this episode serves as our gift to you, that you have have a deeper understanding of how scary Christmas can be, how eerie and creepy. Maybe you'll tell some ghost stories on your Christmas Eve around a fireplace or, you know, the fireplace on Netflix. And Matt, I'd like to leave us on a note for us to all remember the true reason for the season. And that is ghosts and ghouls coming back from the dead to torment a rich guy until he agrees to pay his employees more. Ah, yes, I'll drink an eggnog to that. You're listening to the Grindhouse Podcast on the Ho Hobo with a Shotgun Network. Please follow us on Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast and listen to us every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud and now on Spotify.